Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. Just a quick update before we jump into tonight's story, an update in my personal life actually. Many of you know I currently live in Tokyo. I've been lucky enough to call Japan my home for the last four years. However, I will be moving back to Canada at the end of July. For this reason, I'm trying to create as much content as I can ahead of time so that there are no lulls, but of course, things are insanely busy. Orchestrating a move across the world is a ton of work, and I'm also trying to enjoy as much of this country as I can before I go. But this may or may not cause a few hiccups for the next month or so. I'm going to try my very best to keep it all going during the move, but I may not be able to follow my usual Friday night episode release for the next little bit. And that's exactly why this episode is a few days late, and I'm so, so sorry for that. With that said, I'm taking us all to Japan for our true crime case this week. I've said it before, but Japan is an incredibly safe country overall. But when crimes are committed, they can be particularly horrendous and strange. And the story of Kabu Terauchi is exactly that, horrendous and strange. But not in the way that you would think. Kabu would lay out a plan to abduct a young girl while she was walking home from school. He didn't have any weapons to threaten her. Instead, he would use psychological tactics to get her to come with him and to stay with him for two whole years. His reason for the kidnapping will surprise you. So let's jump right in. 
Kabu Terauchi wasn't always an absolute douche canoe. Growing up, he was actually very smart, and he could have had a really bright future ahead of him. But, as we often hear with these cases, he was a bit of a loner, and he was bullied as a child. Of course, this is absolutely no excuse for what he would do when he was an adult, but we now know that bullying can have really serious effects on a child's brain, which is still developing, and it can contribute to their behavior and actions as an adult. Still, even though he didn't have many friends or participate in any social activities, he was a really great student, and he showed time and again that he could really make a positive impact on this world if he wanted to. He could have grown up and contributed to society in a really great way. Unfortunately, he chose not to. At one point, he decided to study abroad where he learned English and aeronautics, the study of airplanes. He even got his pilot license in California in just four months of studying, so he was really quick and eager to learn new things. Though, some people who knew him growing up would say that if he took an interest in something like airplanes, he would become completely obsessed with that thing. Now we know that it is likely he may have been suffering from a mental disorder, however, at the time, it went unnoticed and untreated. He was able to hide it and continue to excel in his life, even getting into the very prestigious Chiba University located here near Tokyo. Just before he was caught, he was set to start a new career that would have given him a really decent life. It was at this time when he was 23 years old and just beginning university that he became obsessed with the idea of abducting someone to perform somewhat of an experiment. His idea was quite different than the typical kidnappers that we usually hear of. He did not want to abduct a person to inflict violence on them or to abuse them in any way. He wanted to take someone and make them feel as isolated and alone as he always felt. He wanted to observe them, study them, and how the effects of their isolation might manifest. And he planned it all out perfectly. He decided not to take a girl in his own neighborhood of Chiba because that would be far too risky. So he drove to the town of Asaka in Saitama Prefecture, which is just north of Tokyo. It would have been around an hour and a half drive for him. He prepared a fake license plate for the abduction, putting it on the front of his vehicle and driving around the areas where there were crowds of school-aged children. It's not clear exactly why he chose 13-year-old Anna Saito, but he followed closely behind her, watching her walk from her school to her home. From there, he planned even further and was able to figure out her name so that he could use it the following day to gain her trust. It's alleged that he saw a painted flower pot sitting outside of the home that had her name written on it in paint. So the following day, he showed back up at her school. He waited for her to come out at the end of the school day and begin walking home. Literally just before she arrived at her house, he pulled up to her, rolled down the window, and called out her name. He told her that he knew her parents, he was their divorce lawyer, and that her parents were separating. He also told her to get into the car because he was supposed to drive her to his lawyer's office. Now, I've heard other true crime podcasts allege that Kabu told Anna that her parents were in debt and were planning to sell her on the black market for her organs. 
I've also heard allegations that he told her that they had sold her to him instead to pay for their debt, but I haven't been able to find a reliable source to confirm that. But we do know that he called her by her name and told her that her parents were divorcing and she needed to come with him. So she did. Of course, her parents were not divorcing and had definitely not sold her to him or the black market for any reason, and instead of taking her to a lawyer's office, he took her back to his apartment in Chiba. Then he made her write a letter to her parents, which he tucked into their mailbox. The letter said, I need a little break from home and from school. I'll be at my friend's house for now. Please do not come searching for me. Of course, this note, which was in her handwriting, did not deter Anna's parents from immediately calling the police to report their daughter missing. Neighbors said that they saw Anna speaking to a man who they did not recognize, just outside of her home before getting into a car with him. Anna's parents knew their daughter, and they also knew that she would not just run away like that or willingly take off with a strange man, and so they continued to search for her. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right. 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Anna unfortunately didn't know that her parents were looking for her or that they hadn't sold her. She truly believed that her parents didn't care that she was gone and that they may have in fact sold her. Cabu made sure that she lost all hope. He didn't have any weapons to threaten her with, but he would tell her horrible things about her parents to keep her at the apartment. Anna would later say that at no point was she ever physically harmed or sexually abused by the kidnapper, but he would emotionally manipulate her into believing that she was all alone in the world. Still, a few weeks into being held at Cabu's apartment, she attempted to escape. It was in April of 2014. At this point, Cabu would still go in and out of the apartment while leaving Anna behind. Remember, he was attending Chiba University, and his teachers and fellow classmates, well, they all said that he would go to school as normal, and no one had any idea that he had this young girl back at his apartment. But he would lock Anna into the apartment when he left. On this day, he forgot to lock it, and Anna took the opportunity to try and flee. Now, I think it's important to remember here that Anna is only 13 years old at the time. She's been held in this man's apartment for the last few weeks, and she's been completely brainwashed by him. He's brainwashing her to believe these horrible things about herself and her family. And so she's now out, but she has no idea where the heck she is. Her home is over an hour away from where the apartment was located in Chiba. So she runs to a nearby park where she finds a woman and her child, and she asks the woman, do you have a moment? But the woman tells her she is too busy to listen. Then she spots an anti-crime patrol car, and for a moment, it seems as if she has locked eyes with the driver. She runs over to the car to plead for help, but the car takes off before she could get there. At that point, she decides to return to the apartment. And I know this is difficult to imagine happening, but living in Japan, I can actually envision it. People here mind their own damn business to an absolute fault. They don't want to interject themselves into other people's problems. And sometimes that means completely ignoring something that they see that is wrong or suspicious instead of actually helping. Later in the day, when Kabu had still not returned to the apartment yet, Anna decided to try to go get help once again. So she returns back to the park where she sees an elderly woman and she asks her for help. Again, this woman absolutely refused to entertain anything that Anna was telling her. 
At that point, Anna pretty much gave up hope for the day and returned back to the apartment. She would try again on other days when Kabu would go out and leave her behind, but the door was almost always locked. Kabu would graduate from engineering at Chiba University, all the while keeping Anna captive at his home. He would attend classes, he would do his grocery shopping, and just keep her locked up at the apartment. After a few months, Kabu would even move to an apartment in Tokyo, taking Anna with him. So it's safe to say that there were opportunities where Anna was exposed to the outside and possibly other people, but unfortunately, she was so brainwashed by him that she didn't even attempt to get help. In her mind, her parents didn't want her and she had no other place to go. No one to love her or care for her. Kabu had done his research on brainwashing and manipulation far before he ever abducted Anna that day. He had learned about the techniques used by many international and Japanese cults. He would also use the seeds from the Japanese plant Morning Glory to create a tea that he would feed to Anna, which would cause her to hallucinate. While under the influence of this plant, he would continue to brainwash her, telling her that she was all alone, her parents didn't love her, and then he would have her write these things in a notebook, which would just further reinforce these ideologies in her mind. He was a bit of a mad scientist who wanted to make someone feel completely isolated and alone, just like he did, and then he just wanted to sit back and watch what they would do. He would keep her for two full years. Neighbors at his apartment building in Tokyo, where he spent the majority of those two years, would later say that they had no idea there was anyone else living with him. They had never seen the girl, and Kabu only ever seemed to buy groceries for one person. There weren't any red flags that he was hiding anything. He mostly just kept to himself, as many people do. The apartment was in a very bustling, busy residential area of Higashi Nakano, which again makes you wonder how it went for so long that she was never discovered to be living there. Again, I really think it comes back to the way society is here, and everyone just minds their own business a little too much. But eventually, Anna would discover that her parents, in fact, had not just abandoned her or attempted to sell her. They were still very much looking for her, and there were flyers with her face and information on it. There were articles about her disappearance in the newspaper. Everything that Kabu had been telling her was a complete lie. This gave her enough hope and determination to try to escape again. On Sunday, March 27, 2016, Anna, who was now 15 years old, would make her move. Kabu had said that he was heading to Akihabara to buy a mobile phone, and this time he left the door unlocked. Anna fled from the apartment wearing only a sweatsuit and sandals out into the cold and found a payphone at J.R. Higashi Nakano Station where she called her mother first. She wanted to let her know that she was alive, that she was okay, and that she had managed to escape her capture. Anna's mother told her to hang up and call the police, which they both did, and thankfully units responded quickly before Kabu could find out and possibly track Anna down. She was now safe and going to finally be reunited with her family. In a statement to the Japan Times today, Anna's father said, I'm really relieved. I want to spend time with my daughter so we can regain time we've lost. 
Cabu, on the other hand, quickly learned that Anna had fled and had been picked up by the police. So he decided it would be better for him to not return home where the police were waiting for him. And the police, well, they had no idea where he was, but it wouldn't take long to find him. Actually, people in western Tokyo, around 100 kilometers from his apartment, called into police to report a strange man walking around bleeding from his neck. It was Kabu. He had attempted to take his own life by stabbing himself in the neck with a box cutter. And while he was bleeding a lot, the attempt failed. In his pocket was a handwritten note that said, I've done something serious. I feel sorry for the family. He was brought to the hospital where he was treated for his superficial wounds and then he was immediately arrested on charges of kidnapping once he was discharged. Upon his arrest, he told police, I have no excuse. I did not know the girl I kidnapped. Cabu's father would say in a telephone interview with Kyoto News that he was shocked to hear about his son's alleged involvement and that he had not spoken with his son in quite some time, noting that he needed to check in on Cabu. At trial, Cabu held up all of the proceedings when he began babbling absolute nonsense, saying things like, I am a forest fairy and I'm really an amoeba. The defense painted him as someone who was mentally ill, although many speculated that he was doing all of this as part of a show to try to appear as if he were mentally ill so that maybe he would be granted some leniency. The Japanese justice system sometimes can be swift and severe. Kabu's lawyer would blame it on his past experiences, saying the defendant was bullied when he was a third-year junior high school student and became solitary. He began to want to confine and observe someone set apart from society. His defense team also claimed that Kabu only held Anna captive for two weeks. After that, she stayed by her own free will. Kabu was given a psych evaluation, and it was determined that he may be autistic and he may have schizophrenia, and many people thought that he might not serve any prison time at all because he was not mentally capable of knowing that what he did was wrong. Anna's parents pleaded for him to stay behind bars forever. In the end, he was given a nine-year prison sentence for abducting Anna. Neither the defense nor the prosecution was really satisfied with this. The defense thought that he should be able to walk free or at least receive treatment for his mental health issues instead of prison time, while the prosecution believed that he really should be spending the rest of his life behind bars for what he did. A year after sentencing and after fighting in the courts, that nine-year sentence was actually extended to a 12-year sentence. And in my opinion, a 9-year sentence or even a 12-year sentence is definitely not enough time for taking a child off the streets, away from their home, and keeping them captive for two years. While it's true he didn't keep her chained up, and he would even bring her outside sometimes, he clearly manipulated the young girl and kept her a prisoner using psychological tactics. Anna would now have to live the rest of her life with severe PTSD as a result of his actions. Yes, she was alive and now safe, but that doesn't mean that her life was not destroyed by this man. She is forever changed by what he did to her. She missed two years of her life with her friends and her family, and she missed two years of schooling. 
At her school's graduation ceremony, a classmate of Anna's addressed her in a speech, saying that while she was not there physically, she was still remembered. They said, Today, all 268 students from our school will be graduating alongside Anna Saito. At that time, everyone was still very hopeful that Anna would one day be found, and thankfully she was. One positive note out of this story is that her school decided to give her her diploma anyway so that she was still able to graduate with the rest of her class, even though she had missed two years of her study, which is a lovely sentiment. However, Anna would go on to struggle with the aftermath of her experience. There haven't really been any updates since she was 16 years old, but at that time, she was suffering with PTSD and emotional damage caused by the kidnapping. I'm really hoping that she was able to get some help with her healing, as I know that mental health is still somewhat taboo in Japan. Either way, I wish her well in her recovery, and I hope that wherever she is now, she is thriving, and she is at least able to sleep a little bit better at night, knowing that her perpetrator will be behind bars for many years to come. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.